Thank you, worship team. Most of those songs were from when I was most of your guys' age. It was awesome. I know. Yeah, sorry for you guys, but I was like, <laughs> I felt like I was 19 again. That was great. Um, so, anyone here for the first time tonight? Welcome. And more? Yeah, a couple. Welcome. Um, we, um, we, we're coming to the end of our series in Acts. Okay, and then, you know, well done for the way you've stuck with me. I know you've, you feel like we're only halfway through, and that's kind of true. Uh, we've got a few chapters to go, but I, um, I just sense that we, we've got two more sermons. Um, I'm gonna finish talking about Acts 19, um, or at least a section of it today, and then next week we're, gonna, we're just gonna finish by talking about Paul and the way his life ended. Um, and then, uh, and then um, I believe our next, our next series is gonna be on worship. Okay, so that should be awesome. Um, we'll have Jacob dancing up here with a flag. No time, yeah, okay. Don't worry, we won't make anyone do anything. They don't want to, okay. Can't guarantee the Lord won't. So, um, we <laughs> so tonight's sermon, um, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to focus on just a few verses from Acts, but I'm also going to look back at some of the things that Jesus said to us. Um, which obviously is where we really want to go. We want to be listening to our Savior. Um, so if, if I was to give this uh, sermon a title, it would be Power Evangelism. And a lot of what I'm going to say tonight I've said already, okay, but I just sense the Lord saying, double down. Okay, double down. There's still more for us to believe. Okay. Um, and I think, you know, how I expect we're going to end tonight is, and I'll look at the scripture briefly tonight, but I, I believe the Lord wants to give us new wineskins. Okay, and I'm gonna look at that scripture and why Jesus uses it. Um, and no matter, no matter where we are in our walk with the Lord, there's always space for more. Okay, um, whether you've been walking for 50 years or five years or five days. So just to recap, um, you know, throughout the sermon series, we have seen that when the gospel is preached, the Holy Spirit moves. Okay, for those who haven't been at all the series, and this is not all of them, but you can look at Acts 2, 43, 4, 35, 12, 6, 8, 10, 10, 10, 45, 12, 7, 14, 3, 15, 12, 16, 26. That's a sample. Okay, when the gospel is preached or men and women of the gospel go about the business of God, cool things happen. The kingdom of God comes to earth. Okay, this book, remember, is called the Acts of the Apostles, but it's also referred to as the Acts of the Spirit because he is so prevalent. So some of you will have heard of um, John Wimber, um, he was an evangelist in the 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, early 90s. Amazing guy um, who, well, let me, let me try to paraphrase what he, how he put this. Um, so he, he wasn't a very, uh, uh, well, you would say he wasn't a very decent man before he became a Christian. Um, and he, you know, he came to know Christ and he, he, by reading scripture, and he read scripture, and he actually got quite excited about Jesus. 
He saw that Jesus multiplied bread and fishes. He saw that Jesus raised people from the dead and healed the sick. Um, and so he, he one day got the courage to go to church and he sat in the back and he went back the next Sunday and he sat in the back and then after you know, four or five Sundays, he went up to the pastor at the end and he said, when do we get to do the cool stuff? And the pastor said, like, what do you mean? And he says, well, the healings, the multiplying of bread, you know, the raising from the dead, <laughs> all that stuff that, that's in the book. Um, and the pastor said to him, oh, you know, no, you don't have to do that. You just have to believe it was done once. That's all that scripture calls you to. And his response was, to quote him, that's pathetic, was his gut response. Like the very things that had drawn him to Jesus, he was now being told, Jesus stopped doing a very long time ago. If you just believed, that was sufficient. And for a brand new believer, something in him, which was probably the Holy Spirit, told him, this is not good enough. This is actually not my gospel. If we go back two weeks, that church was probably following the, the gospel that Apollos preached, a gospel that was faithful to Christ, but it wasn't the full gospel. And a lot of us um, have probably grown up in churches where we've been told that those things happened once. Absolutely, we believe scripture, we believe the Bible. And we have a choice. Like we, can, we, can, we can read those things and, and, and it's literally this easy. Like we believe that they happened and Jesus stopped doing them or we believe that that's how Jesus wants his church to be. Like, and those are two really different roads to walk down as a Christian. And that's what this series has really been about is remembering that this, this book, this book of Acts is for all of us. It's not just stories. And as I read through the scriptures, as we think about the things that Jesus said and the things that he did, I, I, my hope is that the Holy Spirit is gonna start uh, or just keep increasing excitement and wonder in us, okay, that there's more. So let's go back to Acts 19. We're just gonna read two verses to get us started. These are some of my favorite scriptures because they're just some of the weirdest, okay? Acts 19 verses 11 and 12. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Yeah, I mean, I know he says they're extraordinary. They can't, it seems extraordinary, doesn't it? Um, and it's one of those times you're like, please, Luke, tell us more. Like, give us some theory or some theology. Like, tell us exactly what's happening here. Um, and, he, and, he, and he just doesn't, which is a pity, I think. But it does allow us to, to think. Um, you know, and maybe, maybe you've been, uh, you know, been watching TV and you've seen some evangelist stand up and whip a handkerchief out of his pocket and say, you know, send me $20 and I'll send this to you. You know? I've seen people manipulate the scripture in the most awful ways. And maybe that kind of turns us off. But isn't this crazy? Like what was going on in Paul that just something that physically touched his body could then go and heal someone? Do you ever ponder that? Like, am I weird that I like to think about this stuff? Like what's actually happening? Is there an angel attached to it? You know, is the Holy Spirit kind of just soaked into the cloth? 
The only, the only sort of uh, thing I can find in scripture that's close to it, it was, um, you know, and just a thought, um, is the woman who was bleeding, who touched Jesus's, his tunic and was healed in faith. And I'm sure there's something about the people that took those things from Paul that they had faith to take them, believing that there was so much of the Holy Spirit in Paul that even something that he touched could see the Holy Spirit move. Isn't that cool? Wouldn't you like that to happen? Okay, and it's not just scripture. A long time ago, maybe a year or a few months ago, I shared one of Smith Wigglesworth's stories when a woman came up to him and said, please will you help me, my husband is a drunk, he spends all our money, we're bankrupt, there's no ways I can get him to come to one of your churches or one of your, your missions. And so he took a cloth and he prayed over it and he gave it to her and he said, put this under your husband's pillow at night and the Lord will heal him. And it was the most curious miracle, if you haven't heard the story, because the guy woke up the next day, went to work, straight off to work, went to the pub, got into a fight with the landlord because he said the beer was off, it was rotten, went to another pub, got into a fight with the landlord because the beer was rotten, three, four, five times. Went home, complained to his wife, and he says, well, the funny thing is that I asked this man of God to pray, and I stuck this thing under your bed. Alcohol never tasted right to him again, and in that process he met Jesus and was saved. God has his ways, and they're cool, okay? And remember, Paul is just a man. I know he's Paul, you know. Um, you know, the Lord met him on the Damascus Road. That's awesome. Maybe that hasn't happened to you. He also killed Christians. You probably haven't done that, you know? Like, he was a sinner, like all of us. He's saved, like all of us. He has the same spirit in him that we do. And John Wimber, just to quote him again, he used to say, um, when I worked for the devil, the devil had absolutely no problem with me doing his stuff. I could curse, I could steal, I could be angry, I could be violent, I could be all those things. And it was so weird when I went to church and wanted to be and to do the things that Jesus did, I was told I couldn't. It made no sense to him. Like this book which I read, he said it has to be true. Someone, somewhere, has to believe it. It might as well be us, he used to say. It might as well be us. So let's go back to Acts 19, because it just gets more fun. <laughs> Again, I love these scriptures. Acts 19, verse 13. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the, name of, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Pretty dramatic scene. So these men that probably, I guess, had seen Paul casting out a demon, had seen the power of the name of Jesus, thought, well, it's just a name, it's like magic, you can just use it. Obviously, they were 
well, it's most likely they're religious. They were son of a priest, sons of priests. Um, but the demon says, who are you? He also says, Paul, I know, which is interesting. That a man who is filled with the spirit is a danger to hell, to the kingdom of darkness. That he's known by the demons. The demon doesn't care about these other guys, all seven of them. And isn't it amazing in the previous verses that a handkerchief from Paul can cast out a demon? A piece of cloth that's touched him can drive out a demon, but seven men saying the name of Jesus can get their butts kicked because of the mount of the Spirit that was in Paul. Bill Johnson likes to say that his desire is to be known in heaven like Daniel was and feared in hell like Paul was. It's a, great, it's a great idea. So then we get into verse 17 and we see the repercussions in the town. We think about evangelism and the power of the spirit. This became known both to all the Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus and fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many who had believed came confessing and selling Sorry, and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. So again, we see this connection between Paul working, the spirit working through him. We see the demonic defeated. And these people bring their items of witchcraft. Now it depends who you look at in terms of the value. The value is somewhere probably between four and eight million dollars in current value. That's a lot of money to just burn. They didn't try and sell these things that were evil. They destroyed them. They wanted something completely new. They wanted Jesus. And I think the why here is obvious because even though they were engaged in witchcraft that they met the one who was actually more powerful. They met the one who was love and power. And again, you know, when, we, when, we, when we see stories of, of demons, um, most of us probably think, well, that's, you know, that's Africa, maybe Latin America. You know, it doesn't happen here. You know, and I, I know that there's a woman who lives down the road from the elementary school who's very proud to call herself a witch, a white witch, which is, you know, the good kind, obviously. That was a joke. <laughs> there are kids at Eastbrook High School who practice witchcraft and sorcery and occult practices. It's just down the road. Those are kids living in our community. And it might just be those kids have been to church, they might have heard the gospel, but they've never actually experienced the power and the reality of Jesus. And that's not on their churches, I mean that's on us, as the body of Christ. It's the model that the Bible gives us to expand the kingdom is one of power, where people actually truly meet power, and they don't have to go looking for it in evil places. And they meet the one who's not just power, but who is love, who satisfies their needs. 
And the very first story I heard as a young man about the demonic was, a, was the chief witch in Britain. <laughs> she was converted when a priest came to condemn a pagan practice that she was leading. She prayed that fog would fall and cover them and hide them and the priest wouldn't find them and it, and it happened. She prayed to Satan, it happened. The priest walked by and she also cursed the priest. And you know what happened? Absolutely nothing. And the next day she went to the priest and she said, I've never cursed anyone and not have it not work. How is it that I couldn't curse you? And he said, well, I have Jesus. And that day, 72 demons were cast out of her. They named each one. And she became a powerful woman of God because she met the one who was more powerful. And she met a man who was full of the Spirit. So let's go to something more cheery. John 14, okay? (laughs) Some of the best words ever written. Some of the best words ever spoken by Jesus. I'm going to read the first few, and I'm, I'm just going to, we'll see how far we go. John 14, starting at verse 12. Truly, 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 I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. I, I love the scripture and I know it can be tough because it seems to promise us the world and there's so many times we've prayed and we haven't seen the Lord move and we might ask why. Right? And, that, and that can be a, a conversation with the Lord that just kind of ends and we don't go any further. Or we can take it for the power that it is, for the truth that it is and we can press into it and we can press into it and we can ask the Lord to make it true for us. Because Jesus says, truly, truly. He doesn't say, if you are one of my apostles. He doesn't say, if you are the holiest of all holies. He just says, truly, truly, anyone who believes. Anyone. In other words, not a single person in this room that's disqualified from what Jesus then goes on to say. Truly, truly, anyone can do the things that I did and even greater. Will we believe him? The thing is, if we don't believe that this is possible, 
I'm not sure that there's a lot that Jesus can do with us. Like we might, we might believe it's just a tiny bit possible. Like that small seed, and that's all he needs. That's all he needs, it's just that, okay Lord, I'm not sure how this works, but I believe, I believe you tell the truth. Will you show me? And that might be a 40 year journey. <laughs> it might be four days before you start seeing something. He asks us to obey his commandments. And he says we will obey his commandments because we love him. Okay, and see that in the reverse. See that in the reverse, okay? You don't obey his commandments in order to show that you love him. You love him in order to obey his commandments. Okay? You will obey his commandments because you love him. And because we love him and we obey his commandments, he'll be manifested in us. And we see this beautiful sequence that he will be in us, his spirit will be in us, that he is with the Father and they will be in us. So will we believe? So this might be a strange place to go, but I just, I just felt the Lord wanting me to emphasize new wineskins tonight, okay? Two weeks ago I talked about the gospel of Apollos. All right, this, again, this gospel that preached Christ, that led people to Christ, that saw people baptized, but there was no baptism of the Spirit. There was no miracles. It's the only time in Acts that we see the gospel preached and there are no miracles. Okay, it's when Apollos preaches. And then Paul preaches and the Spirit comes. When we look at the Ephesians, we can say, well, the Ephesians really got a new wineskin. They went from the demonic witchcraft to believing in Jesus. So that's like quite the transformation. It's going from like a really cheap, nasty American wine to a really wonderful New Zealand Marlborough or something, okay? You know, no, no offense to the Americans. Um, so, <laughs> so we get this verse in Matthew 9, and I love Matthew's account um, because of what happens afterwards. Matthew 9, 17. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins so that both are preserved. Okay. New wine is stored in new wineskins so that both are preserved. And the reason I like Matthew's account, Mark also um, has, this, has these words from Jesus. But what then Matthew then does is we have this incredible run of Jesus illustrating actually what the new wine is. And it all happens in one sequence. There's no, and then the next day or following in the future. It's one thing after the other. If you read down in Matthew, I'm not gonna read the this, this script because there's too much, but this is what Jesus does. He says these words, as, as he says them, a man comes to him and says, my daughter has died. Will you come and raise her from the dead? That's a faithful request. So he says yes, and he goes. As he is going to raise the woman from the dead, the woman with the bleeding touches him and is healed. And he says, your faith has made you well. Go, power goes out of him. He arrives at the man's house, he picks up the girl's hand. Matthew doesn't even say that he prayed anything. He just grabs her by the hand and lifts her up and she is healed. That's cool. He then leaves the house and two blind men start following him saying, son of David, have mercy on us. He then heals the blind men. As the blind men leave, 
Other people bring up a demon-possessed person and he casts the demon out. We have healing of incurable disease. We have raising from the dead, also an incurable disease. Okay, We have an inc- a woman with an incurable disease healed just by touching him. What, what Matthew is saying to us, like this is the new wine. The new wine, I'm sorry to say, it's not Apollos' creed. It's not just believing Jesus. It's not just being saved. Right? The new wine is the power of the kingdom of God. All of these things, it's not an accident that Matthew puts them here. Reminds us what this looks like. And what did the religious leaders have to say? What did the old wineskin have to say? He casts out demons by the power of demons, by the ruler of demons. That is their explanation for these wonders that they have seen. It's of the devil. And I said this, I think, in the first or second time that we started on this series. Don't be surprised if as you start to move in the power of the Holy Spirit that people don't start saying some mean things about you and some mean things about Jesus. But hey, you're in good company. Okay, read these words again. Jesus Christ himself was told that his power came from Satan. You know, and it's not just about cessationists or people who are filled with the Spirit. Um, uh, a church leader in the UK recently reminded me, you know, one of the funniest things about the church is the Holy Spirit will move, he'll create this beautiful new wineskin, he'll do crazy things, and then a few years later he'll do something else some, you know, in another part of the world, and those people that met him earlier will start condemning the thing that he's doing now. Like they just attach to their wineskin, and the Holy Spirit's saying, I'm doing something new. And like, no, that's not the Holy Spirit. We know how the Holy Spirit works, you know? We get into habits. That's how we have denominations that we're birthed in the power of the Spirit. You no longer see the Spirit move. They have a memory, but they don't have a reality because their wineskin needs to change. And that is always about surrender. Surrendering our expectations, our ways that we think things should be done and saying, Jesus, have me. Take me, teach me. These words in John 14, I want them to be true in my life. So I'll finish with these words from Paul from Romans 15, 18. And I would encourage you to read this whole section. I'm just going to read two verses. Paul says, For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me, in word and deed, to make the Gentiles obedient, in mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and around about to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. For Paul to fully preach the gospel of Christ, Christ was to preach and to see signs and wonders, to see the power of the Spirit. And I don't know what sort of church all of you grew up in. Um, I was blessed to grow up with a dad who's charismatic. Okay, so this was this was quite that was nice for me. Um, he also wore robes and did liturgy, so you know it was a great church to grow up in. And you know, sometimes you know, we might have heard sermons, we might have heard criticism of you know, certain churches or whatever, we might hear these words, miracles, signs and wonders, and we might wonder what they mean. We, you know, I don't know how you respond to those things. 
And I would encourage you not to get stuck on, on those words. I would encourage you not to get stuck on what you might have heard in church. I would encourage you to listen to John Wimber and to say somewhere, someone has to believe the word of God and to read the word of God and to see that the spirit moves. And not to fixate on this phrase, signs and wonders, is it some sort of criticism. Every time that we see those words used, Becca, it's like you touching someone and the Spirit of God moving through you and bringing healing. Do I want the same for you? It's the reality that we get to stretch out our hands and to use our voices and to see the kingdom of God come. It's the reality of the very presence and spirit of God manifest in us and through us to the world. And I'm not sure there's anything more beautiful. And I don't know what this looks like for you as individuals, but I would encourage you this week, ask the Lord, Lord open my eyes Open my eyes to the reality of your kingdom. Open my eyes to your spirit. Will you fill me? Jesus' standard is super easy when it comes to the spirit. He just says, ask. If you ask, you will receive. It's like the easiest standard in the world, okay? That's where it starts. Will we ask? And what I want to do now is, is just pray, and Matt might have something to pray as well. Um, but I just want to take two, three minutes, four minutes, and I want you to just think about your wineskin. Would you like a new one? Are you comfortable with the current one? That's cool. You know, if you are, keep running with it. It might be an awesome wineskin. But I do believe the Lord wants to increase in our lives tonight, in each one of you, if you will ask him. In this case, he's been a gentleman he will wait for you to ask. I can't always guarantee that will be the case. Okay, let's pray. This might be a, 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 a strange way to start a prayer, but I just, I felt the Lord first just wanting to, to say t- to us tonight that we are free to believe. And I, I think in that, we're free to believe his word. We're free to believe scripture. And I, and, I, and I think he's saying that because some of us have grown up in churches where we, we have never heard it preached that the Lord still wants to move, that he wants to actually move through us. And I think, I think, I think what he's also saying in this is that some of us, we have, we have faced giants, we have faced hard things. And we have prayed and we haven't understood why the Lord hasn't answered in the way we expected him to or wanted him to. And I believe this promise of freedom is him wanting to meet us in those places and to bring healing. 
not necessarily to give a reason now, but to give the peace to accept that his heart is good and his ways are good. So Jesus, I ask first of all, by your spirit, will you, will you free our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to believe? Lord, I know we say we believe your word, but will you make this not words, but a reality in the very core of who we are? That we believe your word. Jesus, would you, just, would you speak to us, just individually, just speak to the state of our hearts. Speak to us about what you would have for us. As I said, you know, Jesus' standard is really, it's really easy. And I want to make this as simple as possible. Um, and you, you can, you know, you can say yes in your heart, Jesus knows your thoughts. But maybe you can just open your hands out in front of you if you want to receive from the Lord. It's just a sign of saying, Lord, I, I'm open to you. I'm open. We have a good father who wants to give good gifts. Father, I, I ask you in the name of your son, Jesus, would you give new wineskins tonight? Would you dismantle any lies, any theological lies that we have been believing? Lord, I bind in your name lies of religion against your spirit. Words that we have heard, words that we have read that deny the power of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, break those off your children, Lord. Where wineskins have been Damaged by pain and hopelessness, Lord, I ask you to bring hope. Bring hope, Jesus. Lord, I ask that you would bring a new sense of awe and wonder 
at the power of your promises. Lord, fit these wineskins with hunger to know you more deeply, to hear your voice more clearly. Lord, will you saturate these wineskins with the fruit of your spirit? That peace and joy will increase and love will increase and patience and kindness. All the fruit of your spirit, Lord, will you increase? And Holy Spirit, would you bring gifts? Would you bring gifts of wisdom and words from heaven and prophecies and tongues and healing and miracles. Bring your gifts, Lord, with these wineskins. Just sit for 30 seconds. Just, Just let the Lord speak to you about those things. If there's fruit that you need, ask him for it. If there's a gift that is on your heart, Ask him for it. Jesus, we trust your word. And if we ask, we will receive. Lord, will you delight us with your presence? Will you delight us with more knowledge and intimacy with you? May our lives like the lives of these men and women that we've read about, that your spirit will flow out of us and bring freedom and hope to the world around us. We will see bondage break, Jesus, at the power of your name. In Jesus' name, amen.